0: series that we're going to start um, on Jesus. Who is Jesus? You know, Jesus is the one who we worship. Jesus is the one who is our redeemer. This is the one that we, that, that we, the reason why we exist. And I think it's important to have some understanding of who he is, where he came from, right? What he did, the things that he taught, have an understanding of what he taught because you'd be surprised how many people don't understand the teachings of Jesus, Because they don't understand that they are a Gentile outside of the law. And most of the teachings that Jesus taught were to those that were under the law. Jesus magnified the law in his teaching. Why? To show them that they couldn't live up to the law. Right? So this is going to be interesting. Um, So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus.
1: He is the beginning, he's the middle, he's the end. He's that red line throughout
0: Genesis to the revelation of Christ. Jesus is God. He is the glory of God manifest to humanity. And as we go through the word of God,
1: To look at Jesus, we thank you for the revelation that the Holy Spirit will bring as we celebrate our Savior and soon coming King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So the very first thing we're going to start looking at
0: about Jesus is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. You'd be surprised how many Christian or religious people that use the Bible do not believe that Jesus was God. They even change certain words in their Bibles to fit their belief system. But Jesus is God, and we're going to look at this today in Hebrews chapter One, we're going to look at last scripture. This is church, we should read the Bible, I think, but uh, in Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things whom." through whom also he made the worlds. That's interesting, isn't it? That his son made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Purged, removed our sins. First of all, we see that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. You know, there's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus, and I'm not talking about using it like in in vain, just like, Jesus, this happened again, whatever. There's no power in that, but there's something about when a believer speaks the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. If you just mention it in the name of Jesus to many in society, they get kind of they act kind of goofy. And you get a lot of times you get a noticeable reaction in them. They get uncomfortable just by the mention of the name of Jesus. That's interesting. A lot of times, it's a physical reaction. You can see it in their face. Their continence changes. Their demeanor. They may they stand back a little bit. It's interesting that you don't get that same reaction when you mention the, word, the name of Buddha, Muhammad, or Gandhi. You know, they get upset if you pray in the name of Jesus. They get upset. But they don't get upset if you change your name to Muhammad Ali. No one bets. Who cares? A queen, Akeem Abdul Jabbar. They don't get upset about that. They don't get upset if if a a, a pro golfer comes out and says that he's now a Buddhist. Whoopie do. But if they say that they worship Jesus Christ, if they take a knee at the sideline praying to Jesus before a game, everybody gets upset. There's something about the name of Jesus. See, those other names are empty. They're just a black hole. There's no reality in them. And the name of Jesus is ultimate reality. The name of Jesus is ultimate reality. Jesus is reality. Jesus is the creator who upholds all things by the word of his power. Even those that persecute the name of Jesus are held together by him. This is why we need to have a clear understanding of who he is and who we are and who Jesus is to us because every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that name, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has power on earth right now. We have been given the name of Jesus, and everything is upholded by the word of his power. And Jesus is the word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing has was made that was made. So we got some stuff we can look at here. What, what, what they're saying is that the word was with God.
1: That shows proximity. That Jesus from the very beginning was with God.
0: And the word was God, that shows unity. So not only was he with God, but he was God
1: in Unity. And he was in the beginning. When was the beginning? The beginning was the creation of the world. So before there was a beginning, Jesus was. I don't know if
0: you understand that. Before he was, there was no beginning of God. That's called eternity. Once God made the earth, he made time. Before God made time, there was no time. And at the beginning of time, the creation of the earth, Jesus was there. So it shows that he was with God, he was God, and he was there for all eternity before time began. And he was the creator of all things. Do you know that this earth was created by Jesus? In verse 10 of John chapter 1, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It's amazing to think about having children and then having your children reject you. But Jesus was the creator of all things. He comes into his creation, and not only did his creation not recognize him, not only does his creation reject him, but his creation kills him. The one who created all things, the one that holds all things, the one that gives all things life and holds them together. In verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. He writes that this is without controversy, because they were eyewitnesses of what happened. Hebrews chapter two fourteen tells us, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken on flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came in the flesh. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he came in the flesh. Why?
1: To defeat him who had the power of death that was the devil, that he could release those that were in bondage.
0: Something that Christians need to start proclaiming in their everyday life is that you're free. Because the world has a funny notion that Christianity is bondage. (laughs) It's not bondage, it's freedom. We have been set free. We are no longer under the bondage of sin. We are no longer under the bondage of this world. We have been set free. The eternal one that was with God and was God, he put on flesh. I want you to think about this. See, we just need to get stirred back up on some just basic principles. Do you know how amazing it is that God became one of us? Every, I, I've said this over and over again, and I feel like I get redundant, but I don't think you guys, I want you guys to get excited as much as I am about this because it just b- blows my mind. Every religion on the face of the planet is a god that demands his children to sacrifice
1: for him to earn their right to be with him Christianity proclaims a god that became one of his like one of his children
0: to sacrifice for them because he wanted to be with them. Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus was willing to give up everything for you. It says in Philippians that he laid down, he laid down all the characteristics that made him equal with God and became a servant and made himself obedience,
1: obedience to death, even death on a cross. That's just amazing. And we struggle if thinking if God wants to bless us.
0: We struggle if God really loves us. I mean, we just need to meditate on what God has done for us. And then all this little garbage, I wanted to use another word, that we think that God, we, we question God's motives, would we just have the faith that, yeah, my father, my
1: daddy's gonna take care of it. It's that simple. My kids just expect things from me. Sometimes it gets old. You'd like a little appreciation once in a while. But they expect it. And when I'm not in the flesh, I think that's good. Because that's who I am to them. Daddy's going to take care of it. Daddy's going to provide.
0: They don't know all the things that I've got to do to do that. But that's why it's so important that I know that Daddy's going to provide. That's why it's so important that I know that God takes care of me. That's why it's so important that I know that he cares for me. And where my substance comes from. Romans 8.32, if God did not spare his only son, how will he not with him freely give us all good things? We don't even believe that verse. We should get that verse, put it on the refrigerator. That's a
1: good refrigerator verse. And start quoting it until you believe it that God will freely give us all good
0: things. Any, this is on rabbit trail, but anything that God refuses to give you, you are saying that it's greater than Jesus. Because he already gave you Jesus, how will he not with him freely give you all good things? Do you understand that? And there's nothing greater than Jesus. As a matter of fact, all the good things are given through him. Anyways, you need to,
1: 832, Romans 832, look it up. So this eternal God put on flesh and he came to those that he created
0: he chose to become one of us. He chose to walk among us. He became one of us. He, he, he understood heartache. He understood
1: hunger. He understood what it meant to be tired. Do you know that Jesus stank He sweated. He had BO just like the rest of us.
0: Yeah, that's why they couldn't under, that's why it was so hard. See, so many people think I'd like to have been there when Jesus was there, I would have believed. I'd believe if if I was there when Jesus was there. No, you'd smell him. He's this is God. <laughs> he he had a I don't mean to be crude, but he had a bowel movement. <laughs> I'm reckon just like our Jesus back here. You know, he didn't look like this either. He didn't have blue eyes. He's probably darker complected. had dark brown eyes. He was Middle Eastern,
1: Jewish. That's who Jesus was. He just was just like the rest of us. God, that's just, that's just amazing
0: to think of that. He put on flesh. He walked among us. He, he manifested the very glory of God in his nature and who he was. He was filled with all grace and truth was in him. And he was sent for a purpose,
1: and he accomplished that purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. God became the man. God
0: became the man. See, in the beginning, God made man named Adam, right? And he gave Adam a helpmate called Eve. And they were created in what? the image of God. Right? Correct? God's plan for Adam and Eve, who were created in the image of God, was to be fruitful and multiply and fill up, replenish the earth, it says. Now, it's a lot of fun. So God wanted Adam and Eve to have kids, kids that were in their image, who were in the image of who? God.
1: God wanted a family. But Adam willingly sinned.
0: He wanted to be like God. He wanted to choose for himself what was good and what was evil. And we like to do that to this day. Even It would be surprising, even Christians have their own list of what's good and what's evil. We're not going to go down that road.
1: So they sinned willfully, and they spiritually
0: disconnected themselves from God, losing that image, losing the source of their identity in life. He, Adam had no longer lived in the spirit, but he was controlled by the flesh and his fallen nature. That's why we have to be born again. We have to be reconnected to the Almighty through the spirit. Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is a a list of ways to act. Christianity is a new creation birthed within you, the living God, and becoming
1: a child of the king. That's what Christianity is. And then learning how to act like one.
0: Reigning in life, right? That's enough. Man, we can go all over with this, can't we? That's what happens when you talk about Jesus. There's just so many doors you can take once you get in the main door, Jesus. But. <laughs> so here's the problem. Any children that came after Adam and Eve after they sinned bore the, not the image of God, but the image of fallen man. So the earth is populated with children that don't bear the image of God. So God needs someone. God needs someone who can legally redeem man. And and legally is very important here because God is righteous. He must do everything righteously. He needed someone that could legally redeem man, that could defeat the devil Who had become the God of this world, and if that wasn't enough, had to defeat death itself. Had to defeat death itself. And could any man do that? No, there there, there wasn't a man on the face of the earth. He looked, and he could not find one. Isaiah said, right?
1: No. Not a natural man. Not not one born of Adam could could do that. So God became the man. God became the man. He became
0: that one who could be born sinless, defeat the devil, conquer death and do it legally and righteously. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, it says, "And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed; he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. For those that aren't familiar with this passage of Scripture, this is right after the fall of man. And God is prophesying to Adam and Eve and to the devil on what would happen because of the fall of man. And this is the first prophecy found in the Bible that Jesus Christ would come through a virgin birth. Because he says the seed of the woman
1: And women do not have seeds. The man provides the seed. This is the reference to the virgin birth. Jesus,
0: the promised one, would come from a seed of a woman to be sinless and crush the head of that old serpent. See, Christianity rests on two foundations, and if you do not believe in these two foundations, you cannot be a Christian. We can argue about everything else,
1: but if you get these two wrong, you can't be a Christian. The first is that Jesus was born of a virgin. He can't
0: be born of a man and be sinless at the same time. Because he
1: would have bore the image of Adam, not the image of God. Secondly, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Because if
0: Jesus did not raise, we are still dead in our trespasses and sin. God's redemptive plan had failed. So if you do not believe in the virgin birth and you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead,
1: you c- cannot be a Christian. Right? And what do people that get all goofy
0: about the name of Jesus attack? The virgin birth and the resurrection from the dead. People try try to disprove these two all the time because they're running from Jesus. They're running from Jesus. Jesus makes them uncomfortable
1: because they know. Because they know. They may not be honest with you, (laughs) they might not even be honest with themselves, but they
0: know that there is a creator. They know that there is a creator, creator who, who they are responsible to. And they know there is a redeemer, a redeemer that they are responsible to. And if they just knew this creator, and if they just knew who this redeemer really was, they would realize there's nothing to be afraid of. That he desires things for them that they cannot even imagine. He wants to do things for them that they cannot do in their own strength. They, he, he wants to give them an image of who they are that would blow them away that they dare not even think of. They think that they're disqualified. They think that they're no good. They think that God is mad at them, that God doesn't want anything to do with
1: them, and that is the farthest. From the mind of God. But that's why the name of Jesus makes them uncomfortable. The name of G-
0: Jesus awakens. The name of Jesus awakens that knowledge of what they're trying to run from. From the very beginning, we've seen Adam and Eve when the knowledge of God, when they heard, G- when they heard, I believe it was Jesus, walking in the cool of the garden, they ran and hid themselves. God came looking for
1: man, and man ran. And God has never stopped looking for you. So stop running. He's not going to quit. So today... We're going to look at what the Bible has to
0: say about the virgin birth. That was my intro. That was the intro. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a very prophetic, very familiar prophetic verse on the virgin birth, correct? Especially during Christmas. You hear this verse quite a bit during Christmas. But if you spend a little bit more time studying, reading, searching out things other than Sunday morning, you'll find that this verse here is actually a verse that those that try to disprove the virgin birth use. I don't know if you knew that or not. They use this verse right here to disprove the virgin birth. And that's why we need to study. So that we won't be ashamed. So here's their argument the Hebrew word translated virgin is not the particular Hebrew word that means virgin.
1: If this particular Hebrew word means young maiden, damsel, young girl, right? So they say that this is not talking about a virgin, but a young girl.
0: But if you choose to think a little bit, here's my thinking on it. First of all, we're talking about the Jewish culture. A culture where that um, if you were to have sexual relations outside of wedlock, you would be stoned to death, right? Right? That's why Joseph, being a just man, didn't want that to happen to Mary when she was
1: found to be pregnant, right? Even though she was telling him, "I knew no man." We'll get to all that. But anyways,
0: so in this, in this, so when this word is written in the Jewish culture, young maiden, maiden that were not married, would be a virgin, just in people's thinking. So just the concept of the word would indicate virginity. So secondly, if we just use some common sense for a moment, this was supposed to be a sign, correct? This was supposed to be a sign. What kind of sign would it be if all this meant was that a young girl is going to have a baby? Well, he's going to name it Emmanuel, God with us, which might be a little strange. But that wouldn't be much of a sign, would it? but if a virgin had a baby and named it god with us that's something to take notice of that that would be something that would be
1: well that would be a sign right but if the thirdly
0: here's the last, thirdly and this is kind of interesting in 300 bc Hebrew Jewish scholars began translating the scriptures from Hebrew to Greek. And 300 BC was before Jesus. Before Jesus um, showed up on the scene, before there was even talk of him being born of a virgin, any of that. They were translating the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek. And when they got to this word, Guess what Greek word they used to translate this into? They translated it into the Greek word for virgin. So Hebrew scholars, before Jesus even showed up on this scene, understood this to mean virgin, that this was a virgin. And that is called the Septuagint. I think I said it, said it right, probably didn't. And that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You can actually buy by, by it still today, um, and it translates the word, yeah, for the Greek word that the for damsel or young girl, to virgin in it. And on top of that, in Luke twenty four forty five, it states state, it states, and he, Jesus, opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He did that to the disciples. He opened up their minds. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Had their minds open to understand the scriptures when they wrote the gospels. So let's take a look at some of their understanding. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold the virgin! Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Matthew took the verse from Isaiah and he applied it to Jesus and Matthew had revelation on the scriptures. You understand that? And guess who else Matthew had as a testimony to his gospel? Where would he find out the
1: whole Christmas story from that he wrote? Mary. Mary was alive Mary could give her whole testimony on what happened to her. It's amazing. In Luke
0: chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Again, both of these words here for virgin in Greek mean virgin. And again, where would Luke got his testimony from? It says that he investigated his gospels. Remember that? He investigated them. He would have talked to Mary. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. There's a lot of stuff here that we're going to look at. Verse 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also... Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke, like Matthew, got all this information right from Mary's lips. So Mary's telling Luke, she's telling Matthew, she never knew a man. She was a virgin. This is what the angel said to me. This is what happened. So Jesus was conceived in a virgin womb and was sinless because his father was God. The word, the spoken word of God, became flesh. You look at this, and it's almost, it almost looks like creation. It says that the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Remember in the Genesis where it says, "The spirit of God abode uh, um, hovered over the faces. Of the, of the deep and, and brought things by the word
1: of God as it was spoken out. That's amazing. Verse 36. I guess you're
0: going to think, Rick, it's Christmas time. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now her sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Now I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here because I thought this was really, really, really cool. When I was preparing for this message, this is something I came across. You see that I have underli- underlined, For with God, nothing will be impossible. For With God, nothing will be impossible. And if you go and study out, What that actually is saying in the Hebrew or in the Greek, this is the literal translation of it. No word of God goes without the power to fulfill itself. If you look up in the original Amplified and the Woos translation, both of them brings this out. So she's saying, "How will I know this? I've never known a man." And he says. And and he says, here's a sign for you, and I want you to know that no word of God,
1: no word of God goes forth without the power to manifest itself. That's true today. That's awesome. No word of God is without the power to fulfill itself.
0: That goes for every promise that's in the Scriptures. That goes to every word, of God, every word of God that is spoken from the pages of Scriptures from your mouth this morning it has the same power in it that it did when God spoke it at first. It just needs to find the right soil. It just needs to find the right soil of your heart to plant itself and manifest itself. It's not the seed that doesn't have the power to produce.
1: It's whether if the soil has the right contents to make it grow. So we're in the seed. Go read that. And Jesus is that word. Jesus is
0: that power. And Jesus is the fulfillment. Everything is about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, Now the birth of Jesus, Christ was as follows after his mother. Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. Do I need to explain what that means?
1: No? Huh?
0: Some of you look kind of confused. But anyways, before they came together, uh, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded, to put her away secretly. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. These are very important words. We've seen that Jesus was from the lion of David. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. You're saved this morning from your sins. You know that? So we have the testimony of Mary. We have the testimony of Luke. We have the testimony of Matthew that are testifying of Jesus' virgin birth. So let's look at a fifth one, the line of David. The line of David. See, there are many prophecies, and because of time, we're not going to go through all these prophecies that say that the Messiah would come through the line of David, the lineage of David. But here is the point. Here's one point that you need to understand. Joseph was of the line of David, right? But do you know that that
1: disqualifies Jesus? It disqualifies Jesus if he came through Joseph
0: in the line of David. See, in Joseph's lineage, it's traced through a king named Jeconiah who did evil. And God said, God prophesied, God cursed this king and said that none of his offsprings would, would ever sit on the throne of David forever. So that's found in Jeremiah 22, 24 through 30. And you can find that lineage through Matthew, I believe. In Matthew, and find out that Jeconiah is in the lineage of Joseph. So people say that Jesus can't be the Messiah because God said that, no one, would, no one from Jeconiah's lineage would ever sit on the throne of David, right?
1: And I say, absolutely right, because Jesus didn't come through Joseph. He came through Mary. And if
0: you look at Luke's genealogy, he takes it through Mary, and Mary is also through the line of David. Very cool, huh? Jesus was born in the lineage of David, but it was the seed of the woman, not the seed of the man. So he fulfills these prophecies only through a virgin birth. The only way that Jesus could be in the lineage of David that qualifies him to sit on the throne of David forever is by being born of a virgin. Isn't the Bible amazing? I mean, think about the intricacies of this. I mean, when, when people say that it's made up, written by man, I'm thinking, you've never read it, or you don't understand it. I mean, the intricacies, the, the wisdom of God is
1: amazing. It's just amazing. To the last detail. To re- there's a prophecy somewhere he, hundreds and hundreds of years
0: ago of, of a guy that wasn't going to be allowed to sit on the throne of David And that disqualifies Jesus. But Jesus wasn't born of a man. He was born of a woman. And his daddy's God. That's cool. So what did Jesus have to say about the subject? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? This is interesting. They said to him, the son of David.
1: So they're saying he's David's son. 43. He said to them, how then does
0: David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool.
1: This was a riddle. Not a riddle, but it it made it just made them... Why would, if he was
0: David's son, why would he call him Lord and not son? If Jesus came through the lineage of Joseph, David would not have called him Lord, but he would call him son. But because he came through, the, through Mary outside of the seed of man, David can prophetically call him Lord because he came from God and not man. The
1: Bible's cool. So here's a seventh testimony of the virgin birth. The early church believed in the virgin birth. The
0: early church believed in the virgin birth. In Galatians chapter 4, 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. He was made of a woman, and he was a son of God. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. How can you be holy? How can you be innocent? How can you be undefiled? How can you be separated from sinners if you were born like one? If you're born after the seed of Adam. Adam if you were born in the image of Adam. You can't. So as you can see, the virgin birth is implied in all these statements. Even the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed was written not by the apostles, but by the early church, and it's the oldest creed of the Christian church and is the basis for all
1: others to follow. This is how it goes. I believe in God, the Father Almighty
0: From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church. And when it says the Catholic Church, that word Catholic means the general church, the universal church in the world. Um, The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's the oldest creed of our Christian faith as you can see they both believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection of jesus christ right that's why we're not sadducées we're going to talk about them probably next week see the sadducées were sad you see because they didn't believe in the resurrection so so anyways it's the old this this is the old, the oldest creed and it goes back to 140 ad so the first thing we need to understand about Jesus is to know his origins, how he got here in the physical realms. And if he did not come from a virgin birth, then he is not qualified to redeem us from our sins, and we have no hope. Amen? So now that we got that established, we're going to look deeper into the deity of Jesus. Jesus which we'll do next week. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are amazing. You are amazing. You do wonders. Just these scriptures that we read today were life and they came alive in us. There was a quickening. There was a knowing that it's true. And there might be many things outside forces, many things outside Wisdom that we've got, the wisdom of the world, things we've heard
1: that bring questions. But if we are just real quiet and calm down, we know. (laughs) We know in our hearts, in the core of our being. In the depths of who we are, we know that Jesus is God, and he is our Redeemer. And this
0: morning, we just acknowledge him as Lord and Savior,
1: and acknowledge our right to become children of God in him. And we receive this by faith, through grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Kiris New Testament Church.
0: For more information or to contact us, go to www.kirisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly
1: favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.